right you hear the music you know the show you're listening to Rayella Sports on the Voice America Network I'm in Phoenix living like it matters and what matters to me well I gotta say it's Black History Month and we got one more day tomorrow's the last day of the month and of course the celebration that is black it's been known as Black History Month will uh, have to wait for another 12 months but uh, so I wanted to get that in I actually wanted to spend my time on this show uh, just reflecting back on some of the prominent people, uh, both that are black and those that are uh, not, but are our brothers from another mother of another color and sisters that have been uh, contributing factors to uh, to Black History Month. So uh, Willie will be joining me shortly. Um, but I believe my good friend uh, Kirk Dixon from The Ohio State University uh, <laughs> back in the day with me. Uh, who was playing with a different kind of ball uh, back in those days. And, uh, of course, we were there in uh, in the mid to late 70s, which uh, which means we were right on the crust, uh, probably about the second or third generation, because I always call generations four years. So we were about, we were about two and a half generations from, uh, you know, the heat and the heart of the civil rights movement when Dr. King obviously got killed and uh 68 and so you know we were there in 77 I, well i was there on as a freshman in 77 kirk i believe you came in 78 am i right 78 fall 78 right. yeah that's exactly yep. right so yeah, t- yeah, it was later that clemson bowl game when we lost woody oh yeah yeah we uh woody went on in style you know uh kind of reflective <laughs> reflective of, of who he is and uh you know interesting you bring his name up because uh i at least and i think i may be right historically that Woody was probably one of the first Division I coaches that went on, on a limb. I mean, big-time university programs that went on a limb and brought in a black quarterback, uh, which never disappointed him, and that was Cor- Cornelius Green. And yeah. so, uh, you know, it was— And then Rod Gerald, of course. You yeah, Rod Gerald. I, I tell Rod all the time that <clears throat> I was being recruited by Ohio State, so I would come in um, and watch games, and I would watch Rod play. <clears throat> and, mm. and I could not believe— that, that's why I'm just one of these people that when the next person goes down, it's always hard for me to see that there's such a drop off in talent. Because I'm telling you, if you went to the restroom and came back or you went to get some popcorn and you came back or a hot dog and, and instead of seeing um, number seven in the game, you saw number eight. If you didn't see there was a difference in number, you really couldn't tell that much difference in the quarterbacks <laughs> because. Rod Gerald had it going on, but Cornelius guys, guys could play. I, I actually my my dorm room my freshman year was right next to Rod's at Park Hall. Wow, yeah, you know that that you know that that was and that's something else. I mean, even like you know, I remember reading something where uh, again one of the players that played for New England Patriots this year talked about having his. Uh, his Tom Brady moment where he came into the locker room, he couldn't believe it was Tom Brady, you know. And I, I, mm. felt, the, I felt the same way when I, uh, you know, walked onto the Ohio State campus. And, and then being a freshman, I now, I'm on scout team, and I'm trying to, you know, somehow or another get my hand on Rod Gerald, you know, if you, if you will. Because yeah. we didn't, they did, you know, they had the tearaway jerseys, plus they had the, uh, the yellow jerseys on, so you didn't hit the quarterbacks much. But I just right. wanted to try to at least grab him to let them know that, okay, he would have been tackled, and it was it was hard to do that. Believe me, uh, that man was extremely elusive. You know, it was just I mean moves that you couldn't even that's, drink. That's, that's actually very interesting for me to hear because when I think of you and your and your game and, and your heyday, you know, I I guess I just never really thought of you looking up 
at who was tough to tackle because you know what I mean. So oh that, yeah, oh uh, yeah, really interesting to hear that. Well, you know, it, it's I always tell people this. You know, the hardest person in football to tackle is not the big strong fullback or tailback. That's a, you know, a big man that's a tailback. It's always them brothers that come out there that got moves that you can't even think of that they don't even think of. Rod could never t- Rod could never teach anybody his moves. It was it was it's nothing like that. When you throw a move, Barry, the kind of things that Barry Sanders and them dudes, you 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 don't dream of that. You know, you dream of making a move like that, but you don't dream of how you do it. You it ain't something that you practice. You just do it instinctively. You put your foot down. You turn. You wiggle. You shake a little bit. And next thing you know, you're gone. <laughs> you know, you, you, when you're pure, pure instinct, yeah, the it factor. Yeah, it is, and that's a, that's just that's a that when they say a God-given talent, there's a lot of times when you see something that is you know a God-given talent. You know, when you see you know Michael Jordan flying through the air the way he did. Okay, that that's a God-given talent to fly through the air. Everybody can't fly. You know, uh, regardless of what R. Kelly said, you know, I believe I can fly. Oh, okay, you believe you can fly, but you're not Michael Jordan. <laughs> you're not Michael Jordan. There's a couple of them that can fly. What else do you call it? it, it it's flying. You know, you, you're up in the air and you go from point A to point B and you did not walk. You did not run. So you were flying. And, uh, you know, and it's, 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 it's not the shoes. Michael Jordan, it's actually one of the quotes that uh, I, I was just reading. To one of my daughters uh, the other night, she's she's playing volleyball. She's a junior in high school, and um, you know she she's uh, you know she's she's a competitor, and uh, but she had you know not one of her better days, so she was just you know really down on herself, and uh, so I pulled 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 one of Michael Jordan's you know quotes from the archives, uh, where you know basically he says you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And and I think he calculated in his career he missed nine nine thousand shots. He was given the ball and missed it twenty six times on the buzzer. Wow. He said I did all those did all those things, but that's why I'm successful. Oh yeah. And you can't be afraid to take those shots. So that's one thing about it. So that that, that kinda is, is a good way for us to go right into what we want to talk about. I, I want to spend this time, Kirk, and try to mm. get you on last week and uh uh, God had it that you're going to be on this week. So, uh, but uh, I, I wanted to talk about Black History. But you know, I wanted to be and unlike uh, I think uh, on one of the big boys shows, um, Stephen A. was saying something to uh, not Max but the other guy, and he didn't necessarily want uh, to be the opinion of the white person. And right. it was like, well, Stephen A. was like, well, I'm, I'm a black man, so I'm, I'm giving you from a black person. You happen to be a white guy. It's, it's okay. And, uh, and so, I mean, I, I want people that are listening to the show to know that, you know, yep. Kirk is a white man. I'm a black man. So <laughs> we're going to give it from those perspectives. And, and just like in the civil rights movement, in order for things to move forward and change uh, and fast forward to today, we need the help of both black men and white men to come together to make a change. Amen. It's, it's not going to just be, um, you know, a demographic of one folk or the other folk. Is going to be a, a collective decision to make a change. Yeah. This is a we thing. That, that's this exactly right. Thing. You know, and it's I think. That it, and and there has all and there have. I mean, I, when I was at Howard, I can remember one of my uh, students uh, is standing up in Thurman Chapel. Kirk, I got to stop. I got I got to stop you for a minute because I think sometimes yeah. y- you are one of those individuals that you you know you take color out of a lot of times. But I think there's a lot of people out there that 
that they recognize that you were the white guy that just said when you were at Howard, and I want to reemphasize, <laughs> that's right, that was the white guy that said when he was at Howard University as an employee, now he played his baseball at The Ohio State University, but as an employee, <laughs> he was at Howard University. So go right ahead, Kirk. Well, and it was my privilege, and, and one of, I had so many, many amazing uh, experiences there and worked with so many extraordinary uh, individuals and professionals. But one of the things I looked forward to every year was when I'd get to speak in Thurman Chapel at Howard. And and without a doubt, I was the only white guy in the chapel. Um, and, and speaking from the front of the room, and we were launching a new program called the Howard Legacy Initiative. And it was the first uh, structured attempt to look at everybody, not so much where student alumni go off and do great things, but those who actually work for the university. And it didn't matter if you were in the provost office or the president's office, and preferably not. It was for the for the men and women who worked in the back, the, 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 were the maintenance men, were working the food lines in the residence halls, were cooking the food. We felt that their story needed to be told because Howard uh, it, it, like so many HBCUs, plays such a an important role um, for our youth today. And um, so, to be in Thurman Chapel and to be talking about that legacy initiative, I got more than a, enough pushback from uh, individuals saying, "Why you? Mm. You, know, wh- wh- you know, we don't need you." <laughs> you know, and and I my student interns would stand up and say, "Listen, in the in the civil rights movements, there was always some white folks there." There you go. You know, and and um, and and I remember Darlene. What she would say: if, if Kirk wasn't who Kirk was, I wouldn't be here. You know, as an endorsement of uh, being. I was the only leader. We had uh, Dean Dates from the School of Communications and a number of other very very impressive folks involved. But you know, to your point, you know, there 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 have always been some white folks there on the picket lines and involved and behind the scenes, uh, even going back to the abolitionist movement. But I'm, I'm of the feeling that a few isn't enough. Today, we really need to be linking arms and making a stand. And uh, it, 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 uh, and to your point, Ray, I don't know that you and I or our friends really talk much about um, the white-black thing, you know, or that it's an issue. We're just friends. Right. You know, right. we're just buddies. Right. Right. <laughs> well, and you know, Kirk, that's what, that, 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 that's, that's true friendship because it, it's true friendship because we know it. I mean, I look at you, I know you're white, you look at me, you know I'm black and, yep. and, and we know it and it's with those people that acknowledge the fact that we, that we know it, that there is some differences and, and that we can talk about it openly and yep. then even share this platform to talk about it openly to know that there there are some issues on both sides but but collectively we we you know we can find a way to solve those issues uh, I, well, I, that's right and i and, and and before we even get into the format of your show today i i think it's worth noting that um for those who are interested in in your audience that that it, it you don't just we didn't just arrive here you know it's taken some time i think it's taken some risks on your part and and uh, to say things to me that could have been taken the wrong way, but you said it anyway, mm-hmm. you know, and how I reacted to it, I think, helped trust so that the next step could be taken and vice versa. You know, there are things that I had to be willing to literally say stupid things, fumble the ball, make mistakes, put my foot in my mouth, but, but, but be with individuals like yourself that are loving and trusting and, and believe in the bigger picture. And if you will, Martin Luther King's dream, you know, that we're going to do this together, that we have to do this together, that we, that, that doggone it, it, we should be impatient right now. We should have figured this out. Heck, when I go back and look at Martin Luther King's quotes, 
and uh, his speeches, I'm just shocked that it was, you know, in the, the early to mid-60s. Yeah. And we lost him in 1968 because what he was saying is just as relevant today. And that's despite, yeah. you know, uh, goals that have been hit and progress that's been made. If you look at his words, they are just as relevant today in today's world with the issues that we're dealing with uh, than they were there. That's not to suggest that we've been in neutral in a holding pattern, but there is just so much more work to do so that white gets black and black gets white. And, and, and eventually, I, I think it's our kids' generation, Ray, and their generation that are, are, are really going to get it and, and, and just be, the, you know, like, like kids when they're born. If you see a daycare and you've got little Oriental kids in there and little Hispanic kids in there and little black kids in there and little white kids in there, they don't care about skin color, do they? Yeah, that, that's one of those things, Kirk, where I, I agree with, with, with you, and you didn't say this, but I'm sure this is what you feel, that that's something that has to be taught because as children, and, and that I Have a Dream speech, Dr. King talks about that one day that all God's children, you know, black kids, white kids, you know, yep. that they would be able to play together. And, and, and it's so interesting that he talked about playing together because mm. at that time, playing in our minds, we're not we're talking about playing. We're not talking about sports, but sports is... A game, they're games, and, and you play together, and that is the one environment that that where it seems to be for some reason, some reason or another, um, you know, color doesn't matter. It's just the, the other guys on the other team got a different color. That's who we like, and that's who we don't like. And most of the time, we don't like them, and but we respect I, I'd them. I throw, so. throw military service in there. I think oh, yeah. sports and military service. Well, you, well, you look yeah. at the, Tus- the, the the story of the Tuskegee Airmen. You know, they were separated. They were not relied upon. They were not trusted. They proved it, though, and what they proved to their white counterparts who were on the other side was uh, lifetime loving friendships and brothers forever. Gotcha. Okay, Kirk, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about that Tuskegee Airmen, because you're exactly right, because uh, even then, the African-American soldiers had to fight for their right Mm. to defend their country, and then, of course, you know, coming back, uh, there were some issues, uh, and there continue to be issues with all mm. military people. So we're going to take a break. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got my friend Kirk Dixon with me. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me, Black History Month. Uh, we've got today and tomorrow, and then, of course, being the shortest month of the year, it's over. Uh, the month will not be recognized again until next year. Uh, it's the same as the shortest month of the year. But there's some history behind that, which I know a little bit of it, but I don't know it all. So I'll, get, I'll make sure the one time that I do address that, get a, uh, do my research and explain to you why it's the month of February. I think it was chosen. It wasn't just given. Uh, but uh, one thing that was chosen and not given was the Tuskegee Airmen wanted to stand up and fight for the United States of America, which they were citizens of. And Kirk and I, you know, kind of talked about that a little bit. And, you know, that's always important because at least for me in my lifetime, it's relevant because there was one of the biggest, loudest mouth men that I ever you know, became aware of, but he always backed it up in the ring. And that, of course, was back then Cassius Clay, who became known as Muhammad Ali, who is the man where I put my money where my mouth is because the most money I'd ever spent on an original painting in my life at that time was when I bought an original painting of Muhammad Ali, which, by the way, uh, my good dear friend uh, Herman Edwards tried to sneak in and steal the picture from me. But I was able to capture that picture. But, Kirk, we were talking a little bit about the Tuskegee Airmen. And, and then, you know, the reason why I want to talk about because this show, I wanted to talk about, you know, the need, as, as LeBron said, that he will not shut up and just dribble. The need for athletes, former athletes like, my, like myself and you, to continue to talk about and address issues that are still relevant in society today that has nothing um, uh, to do whatsoever with uh, what some people think is, is an agenda. The agenda is something, there's not a political Democrat or Republican. It's about humanity and that we should just, you know, respect and love and treat us all the same. You know, there's a reason why when we bleed, we all bleed red. God did it that way. We don't, read, we don't bleed black. We don't bleed white. When somebody needs a blood transfusion, they don't say, I need a white man's blood or I need a black man's blood. There's some people who refuse to take the other person's blood because of their race. But, but in regards to that, uh, you know, let, let's start off, you know, again, Muhammad Ali. And, uh, and there's a gentleman also uh, from the Ohio State University back in the day, too, uh, Bill Willis, uh, one of the first. I think Bill was the first uh, black man inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, was a Buckeye, but there were some Buckeyes and there were some people around the world. Uh, Muhammad Ali came through Ohio a couple times, you know, but uh, let's talk about some of the people that we can remember that are sports that were contributors to society and use their platform to try to make the world, certainly United States, better than what it was at that time. And even still, we're trying to be the recipient. Well, we were. You and I were like a generation where the baton was handed to our generation. Mm. Our generation is, you know, held it or passed it off to another generation. Now there's a generation of new people that are in uh, the batons in their hands. And, and I wonder how 
things will be when they pass it to the next generation will be just well, any better? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just kick in you know, one, one comment here is that had those individuals not had the courage uh, to speak up, if they would have been silent, uh, we would not have seen the progress. We wouldn't be where we are today, and where we are today isn't far enough, and we got so far to go. However, we wouldn't be where we are today had Ali not said what he said when he had the platform to say it. Um, and that's all he did. You know what's really interesting, Kurt? You're so right about it. Is he said it. I, I, I love watching uh, those clips back in the day where, again, a white fellow, I believe he might have been Jewish, I'm not sure, but Howard Cosell gave him a platform and allowed him to speak openly about what he wanted to. Howard didn't necessarily want to just talk to him about boxing. Howard, no, that's right. Howard opened the platform up to allow him to speak and share his concerns. As a man, as a, as a man, man. Uh, and, as and so, a black man. and so, what I, do you think? What do you feel? That's and right. He wasn't afraid to put it out there. Right. And I think, I think part of the uh, problems that we have today, Kirk, is that uh, you know, again, LeBron, and and, and which I, I want to give kudos to, um, you know, the coach down in San Antonio too. Pop said, you know, he really likes the fact that LeBron is, is speaking out for injustice and and uh, you know, humanity for people who are who are obviously being you know victimized. And so uh, a person like Howard to open up his platform like that many times in the media, those of us who control the mic, like I guess I do on this show. But, you know, you only give a person can only most of the time they're answering questions. And sometimes they'll, you know, they'll kind of go off to the left or right and, and redirect and change the narrative because they have an agenda and they want to. But then there's sometimes that they will not. And so let me ask you, Kirk, for those who will not, because, again, I don't know this, but just for, because I was a professional athlete at the time and, and I was listening and I was aware of what was happening. Um, maybe uh, some people may think that things were different then when Michael Jordan was in the league. But it, do you think there is a reason just from your personal perspective as to I, I recall Michael said at one time that white people buy Jordans as well and buy Nikes as well. And, and, sure. and so, so you just think it was a different time for Mike? Well, I mean, sure, there was a Rodney King time. I, well, you know? I, think, I think it's personality, you know, and I, and I think everybody moves. It has, I like to refer to it as the ripple effect. You know, you, whatever you, you pop that rock forms a ripple. You know, if you're throwing in positive rocks, uh, it's going to have a positive, positive. ripple. Okay. Some people refer to it as the boomerang effect. Whatever you throw out, it will eventually you come get back. back. You know, you throw out enough bad, it may not hit you now, but it will hit you eventually. That's just the arc of justice in the universe. I believe that with all my heart. It's one of the universal laws. But different people have different styles of operating. And, and Ali was more of an extrovert and, um, and uh, was going to speak his mind. You know, that was a part of his in the ring persona and, and, it, and it's who he was as a person it wasn't as an act so um i think jordan spoke with his with his with his game you know he, he was i don't know if he's an extrovert or introvert but i saw him more introverted and you know when you go back to the 1968 olympics and and with smith and carlos uh and and you know what in, in one gold and one bronze um a lot of people forget that um um oh i'm trying to think of the boxer that won gold but he George he Foreman actually, George Foreman Foreman yeah Foreman so he was quiet you know and and in fact even when he was interviewed about it said that really wasn't his play or his style he didn't think that that was the platform he wasn't going to mix you know the social with the sports so some of it's philosophical i think some of it is style um 
so whether it's your your voice or whether it's your actions, your behavior, I think that uh, what I see in all the great you know the great athletes over the years who had the platform is that 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 they were whether they did it vocally or quietly they they were um, not trying to ignore. That, you know, they were confronting it in their own way, I guess that's the Yeah, the and, you know, it's interesting you say that, Kirk, because one thing that I find is that, you know, people can do things in different ways. There was a silent protest on the platform by a white gentleman from another country that I think maybe took third place uh, when Carlos and uh, they were on, on the um, metal stand. Uh, yep. and he actually had a badge on that, that's, the that, that's exactly right. So, and, and then uh, there are other people like, you know, for example, you know, Michael led, you know, so I'm just going to say this, that, that we can say as a, a, a black generation of folks that Michael led his generation by example and how he did business and, and his example opened the doors for some others to come and take control of their brand the way LeBron has taken control of his brand and then to have a, an opportunity to leverage that and create other opportunities. So you're right. You know, some people do it yep. one way. Some other people do it different ways. But we, only, we only need Michael, every- you know, as he gets older and on his deathbed, so to speak, to say it reflect back whether he regrets any of that or not. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because sometimes we, yeah, sometimes we need to. We it's good to hear it. You know that you're mm-hmm. to, so that we know and we don't have to guess what your intent was and what your agendas was. I, I think but, that's extremely but, important. Yeah. I, I think Smith and Carlos, you know, that that it was documented they had received anonymous death threats. You know, they were quoted as saying that one minute everything was sunny and happy, and the next there was pure chaos and it was crazy. Um, Carlos had said that uh, the fallout, he believed, was a factor and contributed to his wife's suicide in 1977. I mean, their lives were turned upside down by the simple act of putting fists in the air, which... Well, you can fast forward that. that you but, can fast forward that to fist in the air to, of course, yes. uh, Colin Kaepernick. You know, absolutely, life changed exactly right. uh, drastically. It's, ident- it's identical, and, and 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 here's the quote I love: that they both they both insist, even though their lives took a dramatic shift, that they've got no regrets about what ha- what they did in 1968. They said they went up there as a dignified black man and said, "What's going on is wrong." That's and, exactly uh, right. Smith said it was a cry for freedom and for human rights, and we had to be seen because we couldn't be heard. Yes. And that is exactly what Ka- Kaepernick brought on, you know, by doing it. That's why anybody who's really listening and paying attention to this situation sees him and his act not as anti-patriotic. I, for one, am one who's on the side of, I see it as purely patriotic. Our democracy, we're refining it every year. And every one of these debates, every one of these protests is saying we're better than this. we got to get better than We can't keep sloughing under the rug. I mean, well, Kirk, here's, the, here's something I, I want to ask you, because um, uh, sometimes I think it's assumed that uh, we as black people, we always say, well, we don't all look alike. We don't all think alike. And so I don't want to assume that all white folks think alike as well. Mm. So just in, in some of your private moments, some of your conversations, um, you know, what's the thought when, you know, when you see a Rodney King being beat like that or some of your friends, some of the comments that some of your friends make or when you see, um, you know, the, the gentleman being choked, you know, and, and then, of course, you know, dying, you know, you see uh, in Cleveland, the little kid getting shot and killed. What are some of the comments or concerns uh, or voices that, that uh, of course, can be heard um, 
with you privately with some of your friends. Yeah, I, um, I'm disappointed by what I hear. Okay, we got a little technical difficulty there, Kirk. I think uh, you try try that again. Yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed. I hate to say this, but I'm more disappointed more often than I'm impressed. There, there are a lot of friends, colleagues, acquaintances, and even family members I know that aren't there yet. You know, they've been conditioned since a very early age and then have adopted a position about blacks that you hear coming out of uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue now. So, so Kurt, let me ask I, you, what is, is there, uh, is there a, what is the concern? Is there like a threat or do they think that we don't, we don't breathe the same, we don't uh, eat the same, we don't walk the same, we don't talk? What, what is the concern that well, you think that most of and, your and friends again, that are uncomfortable are uncomfortable? I don't uncomfortable. even know what the percents are today, uh, Ray. <clears throat> um, and they are better than they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I, I know folks personally that, uh, including myself, who used to think away gr- growing up and think completely differently today. And yeah. it's only because of time and experiences around black folks. So right. you get white folks around black folks and vice versa. Um, and folks give it an honest shot. It, you, and it's done, and, and, and it's done in the spirit of humanity, and in the spirit of love, and in the spirit of trust. It doesn't mean we aren't going to stub our toe and bang our knee, but if you hang in there and you're doing it for the right reasons, you realize we are the same. Yeah. Yes, we have different cultural differences, but it's the human race. Right, period. we're all part of it. Same number of toes, fingers, arms. We bleed red, as you said. We are the same. But therein is 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 the challenge to your question: is that there are some white people even today. I don't believe that. Wow. Okay, they we're gonna believe. take we're gonna take a break, Kirk, and we're gonna come back because uh, believe it or not, there's some black folks that think the same way too. There's some some guys <laughs> that the first time they've been in a locker room and that they've hugged uh, a, a a player of the opposite race is when they got to the pros or maybe even oh, uh, yeah. college. So we're it's gonna take a break. Yeah. Listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. 
If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me is uh, getting to the end of Black History Month 2018. Today is the 27th, which is a special day to me because it's the 27th. Uh, tomorrow's the last day. And again, as I told you, I'm going to continue to do my research to explain to you at some point in time why it's the month of February, the shortest month. Uh, it was chosen and not necessarily uh, just given. But one thing uh, that we were talking about as we went to break, uh, I wanted to let Kirk know that um, there there is an experience of which particularly at the professional level, but even more so at the college level, that there are black players that find themselves in locker rooms and embracing physically, uh, emotionally, verbally, whatever, uh, white players for the first time. And I'm not sure that a lot of the white guys are aware of that, uh, but it, it seems to be that it's kind of a, it's, it's a easier uh, for the black guys to accept the fact that, okay, we're amongst a group of people that look different than us by their skin color and their skin color only. Um, and, and, and don't necessarily go in with a whole lot of, you know, fear. I, I remember, I, I tell the story many times that when I was a younger kid that, um, you know, one of my uh, best teammates that I ever had in my life uh, was when I was on a basketball team in the seventh grade. And we had maybe three black guys on the team. Uh, but the dude who I would say at that time was a better shooter, I was probably the second best shooter on the team at that time. Uh, might get improved as time went on. But he definitely was. And then, uh, as it turned out, there were, at, at the high school level, there were four schools in my hometown, the Canton, Ohio. But everybody knew that the, the one that the majority of the black people went to was Canton McKinley. Uh, it's on, the, well, I like to say the, the Hall of Fame is on our high school grounds. Well, they, they, they then merged it. We, it came two schools, and me and my teammate from the seventh grade had now um, been, you know, reunited, and now we're on the same team our senior year in high school, and we're playing against the other school who one of my good friends, you know, happened to play for. He was a black man. You know, my other friend I, I rekindled the relationship with, got back together with from seventh grade, was a white dude. And when the two teams played together, well, 
my friend from the other school who was a black dude wanted to try to intimidate my friend who was, you know, the white dude. And I wasn't going for that. And it was because it had nothing to do with color. I just wasn't going to let my boy bully my, my, my black boy, bully my white boy. I wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't going to go down like that. So, right, right, because um, it was, you, you were saying, you, you, your, your barometer was truth. Yeah, your barometer was respect. Yeah, your barometer was righteousness, that's, right? That's exactly you know. right. And so, and so, you know, and so there's, as things progressed and we went on to, to colleges and universities, you know, a lot of times uh, there were some colleges— very few guys came from college, I mean, from high schools. Well, I'm not going to say very few, but some of the white guys came from high schools that only had white players. And then there were colleges that black players came from. I mean, high schools that black players came from. They didn't have any white friends. That they played, never played against a, a white guy. Yep. And yeah, I, somehow I, or another, I, sports. Woody Hayes was able to bring that together, and he didn't give a damn. He wanted to win. <laughs> if you can't win, right. you can't play. If, you know, if you, right. that, that was it. It was about winning, you know. And if you became, if you were good enough to play for him, you were part of his family, whether you liked it that, or that's, not. That's exactly right. And so sports has, has been something where, you know, cultures have been able to come together for one common goal, and that is to win. And regardless of what happens, and that's why I think this platform of which athletes use a lot of times, to talk about what's right and what's wrong is because they've experienced and they know that the only reason why you treat people like that is because you are prejudiced, you are racist. Because we can, we can do this. We can make it can work. We, 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 we this, this well, is a, this is a, a level playing field. The best yeah. rise to the top, and they play. And I didn't get to chime in on this last week on uh, LeBron's comments, but I'm going to say something now that. I related more to LeBron's comments on, on two levels separate from the race issue. I related to it first as a father. I got two daughters like he has, and that's the context he was saying. He says, we're used to having our children look up to our public servants, et cetera, or musicians or athletes or celebrities, et cetera, and we kind of measure them on that. And he's basically saying, I can't do that now. Well, I can't either. Right. I mean, exactly. I race has nothing to do with it. I'll put Obama's behavior and presidential swagger and intelligence and smartness and appropriateness for putting him out there than, than, than I will of the current situation. Yes. You know? And I love America that I'm able to say that. And Laura Ingram's allowed to say what she wants. We don't have to agree with it. That's what makes America great. LeBron said what he said. She said what she said. What becomes important is each one of us is, well, where do you side? Where do you fall out? Where do you shake out on that? The other thing I didn't appreciate about the uh, um, uh, Lord, uh, comments had to yeah. do with college. She basically mm -hmm. said, see, kids, remember this. If you don't go to college, she was basically saying you'll basically end up saying stupid things. Mm -hmm. First off, it wasn't stupid things that he said, but number two, <laughs> You don't have to go to college to be smart. I thought that was a very inaccurate and inappropriate statement. I, I got one daughter who really wants to go to school. That's her calling. I got another who really hasn't decided yet, and she ain't getting pressure from dad that, that she has to do that to become someone. I do believe that you go through experience by spending those four years or, or, or more, but to say that you have to do that to have an a, a intelligent opinion is BS. Yeah, you can say you can say bullshit. We're on the internet, Kirk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know you're a good Christian, brother, but you can say bullshit. Uh, we got we, we got Willie on here, and Willie's just been uh, waiting to chime in. I apologize, didn't know he was with us. Uh, Willie, I don't care if you go back or you, if you want to pick it up right there, but I know you had a couple comments you wanted to make. Go right ahead. Well, yeah, um, just the, on the on the Jordan piece, um, that statement has been attributed to him for so many years and it finally i believe last year uh was was 
cleared up that he didn't say that the, the, the statement was Republicans buy sneakers too, and it goes back to uh, the 1990s Senate race in North, in uh, North Carolina, where he's from. Um, Harvey Gantt was the uh, black Republican running against, uh, I'm sorry, the black Democrat running against um, Jesse Helms, a white Republican uh, senator from North Carolina. And so the powers that be wanted Jordan to come out and, and campaign and speak on behalf of of uh, Harvey Gantt. And the, um, the statement was actually made by a friend of Jordan's kind of looking when they it, it was discussed. Like, you know, hey, can you you think we can get Mike to, to campaign for Harvey Gantt? And and the friend kind of looked and said, well, you know, Republicans buy sneakers, too. And so that statement then in the when he made it into a book was uh, attributed to Mike. And he never actually made that statement. So, you know, I, I certainly I, and I certainly could appreciate that. And I'm glad you clarified that. But but my point would be that uh, in terms of and, and I said that Mike has you know, led by example in other phases of his life. But mm-hmm. certainly when you, you take a look at the platform that Mike had at the time and then you take a look at the platform that LeBron has had at this particular time, uh, one, I don't think, much bigger than the other. But certainly, if uh, at least from a black community, if you would say, you know, who's been more assertive, you know, who's stepped up to the cause, who has, um, you know, been there for a voice um, and to support the black community, I think it's LeBron head and shoulders. That's my personal opinion. And, oh, without question. That's a fact. That's and, a fact. I and, mean, Mike has done things now um, as an as a uh, owner, as a, a, a owner of a professional sports franchise. Uh, just last year, he donated $2 million uh, to police brutality and racial injustice organizations. So After, he, after LeBron had already after, taken the initiative to well, do, yeah, he, I mean, donate millions. You know, he, right. Yeah, he may. I mean, but and at that at that point, where where, I mean, to 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 assign, you know, one versus the other. I I like to, I just appreciate the fact that he did it. You know, versus right. in you know response to or after someone else. You know, let's let's give him credit for because we just talked about during his playing days how he didn't take advantage of that platform. So I like to give him credit for taking advantage of the platform now. And, and making the, the contributions that he did. And I, um, and I, and I, I agree with you there, Willie. I, and, and again, I'm, I'm not against Mike. I'm, I'm for Mike. But again, in, in terms of the um, just the generational presence, mm-hmm. Mike was before LeBron. And, sure. and so therefore he should, at the example, you know, which I think he did certainly in the business of sports, LeBron followed Mike's example and has done a tremendous job of taking ownership of his brand, you know, LeBron James, King James, and doing tremendous in terms of uh, creating, you know, wealth for himself, for his family, and setting the example for other folks. But uh, on some of the other, you know, issues that we're faced with, I, I, again, I just think LeBron's some, been leading those. I, my, my, and, and, and to piggyback on what Willie was saying, I, I, I think some worked quietly that's their style it, yeah. but it's just as meaningful just as effective and just as valued important not everybody can be as outspoken and articulate and funny and impactful as ali I mean, he's one of, let's face it, he's one of a kind yeah you know um yeah i don't think that and, in terms of muhammad ali I, I you all he's way ahead because of because of what we were dealing with at that particular time my gosh he, 
Yes, he was the greatest then. But when we look back and then consider the broader context of what was going on in the 60s and early 70s, when he was saying what he was saying and doing what he was doing and taking a stand, it's extraordinary. Yeah, it is. I mean, mean, you think about it, Kirk, he actually... I mean, his his life was at stake as well, you know. Yes. Um, so uh, that that's why I, I just think uh, there's no comparison to, to him and what he did at that time. We got to take a break, guys. Sorry about this, but uh, you got to pay some bills. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and uh, on with my friends Kirk Gibson and Willie, and Kirk Dixon and Willie Gibson. And uh, <laughs> certainly, what we were doing was uh, having conversation, a little dialogue, going back and forth uh, about Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and uh, you know some others that we uh, have yet to mention. Uh, during break, Kirk mentioned, of course, uh, and I, I want to say this because I tried to reach out to. Uh, well, let me just say this: No, I did not reach out because. Uh, there was already something that was scheduled. Uh, I do another show and uh, had um, every intention to reach out to two dear friends, Harold Carmichael and um, and also Everson Walls, who are both going to be inducted into the Black College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, I think it uh, they announced it at the Super Bowl, and I don't know if the induction ceremonies are coming up or if they're next month. Or later in the spring, but also want to acknowledge the fact that the Black College Football Hall of Fame will, in the future, um, probably sooner than later, will be moved to the Canton, Ohio Pro Football Hall of Fame grounds. So with that being said, uh, Kirk, I, I think you, there was something that you uh, said you wanted to share with the audience about uh, Coach Eddie Robinson, who uh, I believe, if I'm, if I'm not incorrect, is still the winningest college football coach uh, in yep. history, winning uh, more games than any other coach. And, and you know what's interesting? Uh, and I, this I don't know. If all his wins 
were combined from the other schools, or are we just looking at what he did uh, at Grambling? Uh, I think it's all combined. Grambling, yeah. Is it, is it just you think it's just Grambling? Uh, Willie, would you know the yeah. answer to that? Is it just yes. Grambling? Just yes. So is that at one university we're talking, or we're talking about a combined? Because the Eddies is all of uh, the wins by uh, Coach Bear Bryant. Are they all from the University of Alabama? Or they throughout his college coaching career. No, his are. He coached a couple other places, Texas A&M. Texas and, uh, A&M, Texas. So his is combined, but all mm-hmm. of uh, but all of coaches was at one university. Even think about that. It's uh, one of the things that Coach Robinson used to be proud of was that he was married to the same woman and he coached one job in one place. Wow. You know, which is very unique today. That married to one woman, man, I got 34 years in, and oh, my God, <laughs> she'd be killing me, man. She'd be killing me, but uh, happy to have well, that, that Buckeye. If you go to Coach Robinson's, um, the Robinson Museum website, they've got just pages of quotes of, you know, folks and uh, sharing their impressions and accolades for Coach Robinson. Everson Walls is there, uh, Ray. It's, he said, uh, Coach Rob did a lot more for us than teach us about football. He used to come through the halls early in the morning with a cowbell, waking us up for class and for church. Oh, yeah, dude, two, then, twofold, and then I, that's my over man. The break, we were talking about Muhammad Ali, that, you know, one of the best compliments you can get is not only a good compliment, but, but, but the source of that. So Ali said about Coach Robinson, uh, they call me the greatest. I know that the greatest football coach who ever stepped on the field is Coach Eddie Robinson. I have admired what he has done in turning boys into men. He is a credit to his sport as well as a credit to humanity. And I think that's one point. I'm glad you brought Coach Robinson up, Ray, because, you know, to me, that's that part of sports that a lot of people who want to box in and just say, just dribble. They just want to box you into just being great at a sport. And they miss the whole point of sports being a microcosm of society and of life. You know, um, you can't play forever. There's 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 one fact that's true of all athletes. You will have to re- you'll be retired at some point. You know, some earlier than most earlier than they wish, but all will have to retire before you know before their time. And um, you got the rest of your life to live as a man. What it's what you know who you were coached by, who you played with. Those who influenced your life, led your life, transformed your life through a positive impression and accountability, you know, that's what sport, that's, that's the magic of sport, not just who jumps the highest and runs the fastest and shoots the best. Yeah, I think it's uh, one of those things that many people miss out on is the fact that th- these are men that make tremendous sacrifice in their lives and, uh, and, and they make a great impact uh, to the young people that they shape, mold, mentor, help develop. And a lot of parents trust their children with these men that have become coaches. Yep. And and they have uh, done a, a, a great job. I think back about some of the coaches I had. And, and for me, uh, the majority of coaches that, um, that I was under their tutelage were all white men, you know. And it's from the time I played baseball, uh, you know, I played uh, Arthur Busby, was a baseball coach I had, you know, in 68. Um, uh, I, you know, we won a city championship. I go to high school. You know, I got a, again, my coach is, uh, you know, the brother of uh, Chuck Knox. Bill Knox is my secondary coach. The head coach, of course, was a guy by the name of John Brywood. Go to Ohio State. Then, you know, I coach. I got uh, uh, Woody Hayes and uh, and then Earl Bruce took over. You know, I'm not so happy about that. I ain't got a lot to say about that. <laughs> but uh, Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, you know, you know, Played a great impact on my life. Then go to the next level, you know. Got uh, Dick Vermeil, you know. Um, Bill Cowher, um, got uh, 
Marty Schottenheimer. So, you know, I, I've got coaches there in my life that impacted my life that they were they were winners. They, they're Super Bowl champions, some of the greatest college coaches that ever coached. Um, and basically, they always, you know, Coach Hayes particularly was always one that was always drawing a parallel with, you know, life experiences in the game, you know, whether it be war or whether it be, you know, inside the family, you know. It, what, what was his famous saying, Ray? Uh, pay it forward? Pay it, pay it forward, you know. and uh, and, mindset. And, and they always really, I mean, if you really think about it, you're doing it when you don't even know you're doing it. And, and part of it is ingrained into a system of recruiting. You know, you're you're paying it forward by you're, you're influencing the next generation of athletes that come to the university because you're a freshman on campus. And there's a kid in high school that you're selling this program to him when he comes and he's going to be the next face of the university. That's just hope and pray he doesn't take your job. But uh, no, they, you know, it was it was a great family atmosphere. Again, you, you know, sports, you learn. Uh, being a part of a team when you're a very young man, you sacrifice not only for, not just for yourself, but for what's best for the team. It's a, it's about the team. Uh, it's, it, it's. Well, the other, the other thing that I admire, uh, uh, the records of, uh, Coach Robinson is again he's a black man, and 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 a society that still struggles with this race issue, right? So anything that he did. And I know I'm, I'll get blowback from some of my white colleagues, et cetera. I don't care. Do they actually it's they li- they're li- thank, for a black man thank them for thank it them for is. listening? What's happening? I'm sorry for cutting you off there, Curry. I'm saying thank you for them listening to the show. You've made them aware of the show. So uh, yep. yeah, it, it is. It is. And 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 the community, Willie, you're a couple years younger than me. Let me ask you this: Is the mindset there of your generation that? You know, when a black guy is competing against a white guy, that he's got to be twice as good. That's what we always say. Uh, for my generation, no. And I think it goes back to, as you said, you know, I've, I've heard that. I've heard that quite a bit. Um, even now, to this day, people that are older than me, well, you know, you got to be twice as twice as good as everybody else. Well, no, I don't. I have to be put forth the maximum effort that I have. As you said, it's a level playing field now. It, it's no, 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 time out. Let me just correct you. I, I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. saying I'm not saying it's a level playing field in all aspects of life. I'm saying that we as athletes, we are able to say, hey, guys, come on in here. Those of us who, who want to take this approach, it's a level playing field. The mm-hmm. best at the best athlete will rise to the top. Everybody that doesn't happen for everybody, but there's some who's they're of that mindset. But to say this, it's a level playing field across the board. I, I'm not going to say that. But I mm-hmm. certainly would say that that's that's what you want to do. You want to come in, hey, okay, let's compete. It's his job, my job, or is the job open for anybody? It's open right. For right, and I think you could take those same that same mindset to the boardroom. Now, I'm not naive to the fact to say it doesn't always occur, but you know, to to me, just as just my my viewpoint, I, I go into a situation defeated if I have to if I think that I have to do something twice as well as someone else because that tells me right there that my best isn't good enough if i have to go above and beyond and go twice as hard so and as far as my generation i don't you know some may subscribe to that but speaking uh individually for myself no no i don't okay That's well good to hear willie yeah I'm, Things, i mean they wouldn't my my ray and i are about the same age and you know i feel that they wouldn't have made movies like remember the titans if it didn't happen, you right. know, um, and that movie is just, you know, one of many stories out there of examples where just by virtue of being black, you were 
you had to overcome more hurdles or depending on how powerful the people were who were making the decisions at the time, there was no hurdle you could jump that, uh, on their watch that <laughs> was going to allow you access to win. Right. You know? Hey, I appreciate and, that, Kirk, but we've got to the point where we've got to wrap the show up, so I thank you guys oh. both for joining me. Uh, you've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.